I want to talk to you about how to love your neighbor. You say, Brother Bill, you don't know my neighbor. I don't have to. No, no if, if your neighbor is the witch of Endor, if your neighbor was Jezebel and had a daughter named Delilah, uh, you, you still love your neighbor. It's unconditional. It's like, it's like honor your mother and father is an unconditional command. It's not, well, if my mom and dad performed just so-so or treat me so-so or do so-so, I'll, I'll honor them. No, the Bible says you honor them not for what they do, but for who they are. It's not a performance honor. It's an honor of position that God chose you to be birthed through those two people of all the earth out there. And so that choice you honor. Of course, you don't, you don't honor wickedness and evil per se, but you are to honor the position. And that's the way it is oftentimes with authority. Let me see if I can get my mic here squared away. Uh, we got to fix this. Where's Chris at? We got to fix this thing. That's making my ear sore. In fact, my ear is sore. I don't know about you, but when you get when you get cartilage, it gets sore. It'll bug you. I'm better now. I've been an hour. Okay, I'm back. I was like a thorn in my flesh. Let's read Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 to 40. Matthew 22, 36 to 40. If I ask you today what the two greatest commandments are, and that was the question asked Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? Jesus' answer to that was, in the course of question, I'll read that also, verse 36 of Matthew 22. Master, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. God does not appreciate half-heartedness. You can tell by the alls. He didn't say, love me with some of your heart, some of your mind, some of your strength. He said, give it, give it to me. Give it all to me. Make me number one. It's important that we get a hold of that. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And boy, that has been a challenge in my life. I don't know about you, but I've had some, some rough neighbors. I've had some neighbors that tested this real, real hard. I had neighbors commit crimes against me. And so what do you do? It's not, you know, you got a neighbor like Nick, it's no problem. But you get a neighbor like Vito, man, you got a problem. You know, playing rock and roll till midnight, one o'clock all the time. It's awful, you know. Throwing wild parties, COVID parties at the house. You know, it's tough, it's tough. Then you got, you got Chilson next door, and I can't tell you about that. But uh, he said, on, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Wow. Think about it. All the requirements. 613 specific commandments in the law of Moses alone. 
are, sum are summarized by love. Love God. Love your neighbor. I can't do that. I got to have God to help me. I can't love you. I barely can like you, but I mean, I can't, I can't love you. God's got to come help me. And you're the same way. This is not done in the flesh. Neither in the flesh, brother Jimmy, cannot please God. If you work up some sort of muster up some sort of a flesh response to this stuff, it is, don't act like it's pleasing God. He's not looking for just performance. He's looking for the heart of it. You got to have God to help you. You go to Him and say, "Lord, I got a neighbor. I want to. I want to shoot my neighbor. I don't want to love him." And uh, you know, I want to kill my neighbor's dog that barks all night. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's a real sore spot with me. And how how in the world you told me to love him? If you if you kill their dog, it's it's it don't go across real well. And so, what is that all about? The law was God's will for His people. He said, "My will for my people is summarized in loving me with everything you got and loving the neighbors yourself." What in the world? The law of God in Romans chapter 7, verse 12, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. We're talking about the law of Moses there, really. Uh, I get people that accuse fundamentalists of being pharisaical, which is wrong, or being legalistic, which is also wrong. They do not understand those terms. Legalism is trying to be justified by the law. I don't know any fundamental believer any, any fundamental believer I've ever met is trying to be justified by the law. Nobody. Nobody in their right mind would try to be justified by the law. The law just condemns you a sinner. doesn't give you the power to overcome it. You'd be crazy to try to be justified. I have met a few people going door to door who said they never sinned. I'm like, wow. Before I leave here, you will. And... Uh, The law of Moses, I realize, had a part of it which is very particular to the children of Israel. And if I may say, just for the children of Israel, which we're not, by the way. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We're his body. He is our head. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2 says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, speaking of the children of Israel. And the Lord has, spoke, has chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. So he gave a lot of the law to make them different than everybody around them. He gave a number, number of commandments. Uh, of course, one of them was uh, circumcision. Nobody had circumcised, been circumcised. Uh, God forbid, who would have thought of that? And yet God says, oh, I want all of you to be circumcised, all the males to be circumcised. The eighth day, by the way, if you're newborn. My son was circumcised the eighth day, just like a Jew, just like the law of Moses said. How did I know that? We had a Jewish doctor. His name was Schwartz. 
And old Schwartz said, after Troy was born, I took him, you know, to, for a checkup. He says, we'll bring him back the eighth day and we'll, we'll circumcise him because that's the law of Moses. And it also scientifically is when the quaglos, the clotting, is at the highest point. And I, I witnessed my son being strapped to a board. You talk about torture. Talk about waterboard. Strapped to a board and squealed like you were killing him. I'm glad he doesn't remember that and have bitterness towards me on it. But he did that to the Jewish people. Why? Just to make them different. Make them different. A people of his own. He made them different in their looks, the way they grew their beard, the way they wore their clothes. He made them different in their diet, the what, what they ate, what they couldn't eat. He said, you can't eat lobster. You can't eat shrimp. You can't eat catfish. You can't, you know, you can't eat pigs. And there's just all this whole specificity on what they could eat, what they couldn't. And by none of that, you health food people, none of that was done because pig's bad for you or lobster's bad for you. It was only done to make them peculiar from the other nations. I know that because in the New Testament, all foods declared clean. And so God wouldn't tell you something was bad, then all of a sudden down the road say it's okay now. Brother, right now as Gentiles, we can eat. If you can put it in your mouth, you can eat it. You want to you take an old slimy, old nasty snail that spent his whole life eating mud? escargot, as they call it, and you want to cook it and slang it, go ahead, eat it. won't hurt you. There's nothing holy or unholy about it. What goes into a man's mouth does not defile the man. What comes out of his mouth comes from the heart that defiles you. What you put in your mouth and swallow goes into your intestines down and out. That's what basically God said. It basically is meaningless in the big picture. What you come out of your heart, that, that, that is eternal. Every idle word that a man speaks be given account of. What comes out of your heart is going to be kept record of. And so you're, they were made different in their looks. They were made different in their diet. They were made different in their activities. Their form of worship, the creator of all that is, was so different, really so different. Three times a year the males had to appear down when, when finally Jerusalem was established. Uh, three times a year, they would go down there and bring their tithes and offerings and things and lambs and sacrifice, and there was a lot of bloodletting. There was a, not of them, but of the, of the san animals. It's been said the Jewish, uh, the, the law of Moses is a bloody, bloody religion. It is. Imagine when Solomon declared, dedicated the temple, and they slew like 10,000 animals and bled them all out. PETA would have went nuts. You know PETA, you know what that means, right? People eating tasty animals. Other parts of the law are eternal. Some are temporary. Some reflect the, the very moral character of God. These that do that transcend time. Uh, they are, these, these moral laws, these, these laws that transcend time reflect who God is and what pleases him and what angers him. What is good to him, what is bad to him. I mean, some examples of this would be the law of morality. 
in the book of in the, in the book of the law, the law of morality is the same morality we're under. One man to one woman for life, till death do you part. Twice, both in Romans chapter 7 and I believe in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says uh, death is the only thing that dissolves marriage. Make up any other rules you want to make up, but God says only death separates you. And so that made, that was, that, but that, that carried over. Sexual identity carried over. He said in the Old Testament, in the law of Moses, it's an abomination for a man to dress up like a woman. And it's an abomination for a woman dressed up like a man. What was that? Anti-transgender. And that was God's moral law. And that's still true today. The morals of God are eternal and never changing. Oh, the dietary restrictions given to the children of Israel, those were temporary and to make them peculiar into the rest of the nations, but they were not the moral law of God. Those things were meant to pass away. But thou shalt not murder is not going to pass away at any age. Thou shalt not commit adultery is not going to pass away at any age. Uh, the sin of blasphemy was a, was a moral, eternal law that was never going to pass away. Stealing is wrong no matter what at any age. Lying is wrong, both Old Testament and New Testament. And if I may say, damaging your neighbor is wrong. Old Testament, New Testament. I don't know who your neighbors are. I do know who your neighbor is. But I don't, I, I don't, I don't know most of your neighbors. I've had people in the church come to me that have had horrible neighbors. By any definition, they're neighbors from hell. I mean, the neighbors harass them, harangue them. Uh, call the police on them, damage their property, uh, you know, tell them how they hate them, uh, just make life for them miserable as they possibly can. And they'll come to me, and, and as good Christians would, and say, Preacher Bill, what should we do? I said, what do you have in mind? I don't, don't tell me, brother, don't tell me. And so we know the Bible says the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. Oh, this is a test. So God puts you beside that horror so that he would see if you really trusted him. Trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus. Jesus is asked this hard question, what is the greatest commandment? He answers with, he answers with loving God with all you have and loving your neighbor. So you say to me, preacher, what does that mean? Well, turn to your Bibles, if you would, to Leviticus and go to the 19th chapter, and we'll read just nine verses, 9 through 18. It's a Bible study tonight. Help us out. Leviticus 19, 9 through 18. Kind of give you an idea as he was talking to them. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field. Neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. I put in my notes here that you're supposed to leave something for the poor. Let me say this. Let me stop right here. Helping the poor is moral law. It was right in the Old Testament. It pleased God in the Old Testament. It pleases God in the New Testament. We're supposed to help the poor. Now, by the Bible in New Testament defines if a man doesn't shouldn't work, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Now I get that. 
But if a person cannot work, I mean really cannot work, you cannot have food and watch your neighbor starve. That is not loving your neighbor. You cannot allow that to go on. We get tested once in a while in, in South Florida here with a hurricane. Irma, Wilma, Charlie, and uh, it, what does that do? That allows us. I don't leave. Brother Bill, why don't you leave during those first four hurricanes? Because it, after, the day after the hurricane is my opportunity to be a good neighbor. I get to go. I, there, one, of, one of our people in the church called me up and said, would you inspect our house? We went over there and there was a tree had fallen on the roof about that big around, went right through the roof. And the water was just pouring in that one bedroom. And they had about 6,000 books in that room. A little exaggeration. But I got a brother Moon and his whole family. My wife went over there. We thought we were going to have to move a few little things. This person had thousands of books in that room. And we moved and moved and moved and moved and moved and moved and moved books until we finally got all the junk, I mean, stuff out of there. And then I ripped, I'm an old carpet layer, so I ripped the carpet out, ripped the pad out. There was no electricity, couldn't put a fan on it. So we took the carpet and the pad and put it out in the street because it was shot. And uh, we got up on the roof and took some polybutyl, which everybody ought to have two or three rolls of polybutyl tape. If you don't know what it is, you should know. And you get up on your roof and you put that polybutyl tape, and boy, that stuff, you overlap it a little bit, it'll seal anything. It'll seal the hole until a few months down the road or a month or so down the road when you could get a professional roofer. That's part of loving your neighbor. You say, these people lived in San Carlos Park. You live down the road. Yeah, I do. But really, isn't everybody my neighbor? Isn't everybody? You've heard of the Good Samaritan? What was the point of that whole thing? If you can help, you're the neighbor. Do it. So... We should help the poor. We should be ready to help the poor. We should be stocked up to help the poor. At my house, I have food for my whole neighborhood. I have food literally for my whole neighborhood. My whole neighborhood could feed, I could feed my whole neighborhood for probably three weeks. And I do that purposefully because I want to be able to share it with them. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape out of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor. And a stranger, that's your immigrants. That's your immigrants. And I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shall thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor. Don't do anything in any way to cheat your neighbor. Neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall abide not by with you until night. Basically, when you hire somebody to do something, pay him before he goes home, if you got the money. Look at this, it's peculiar. Thou shalt not curse the deaf. Think, of, think how mean it is when you talk behind my back. Just because I can't hear you. Thou shalt not curse the deaf or deaf. You should not curse the deaf. The deaf can't hear. The real deaf. I'm talking about totally deaf people. Even a totally deaf person, the, 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 you shouldn't say, oh, boy, he's stupid. Even though he can never hear it, 
God just heard it. And God's the one that allowed him to be deaf and allowed you to have hearing. And in your arrogancy, you make a joke about a deaf person. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. Oh, it goes on. Look what it goes on to say. Thou shalt not put a stumbling block before the blind. Remember the Tom's read to the blind? But one of the most interesting stories about Tom Gillespie was when I heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but he'll verify it at this moment, that he got a, a remember them two, two bicycles, the bicycle with twin seats, you know, two people pedal? What are they called, tandems? Tom took a deaf man, or no, a blind man, on a tandem bicycle. You didn't let him drive, did you? No. You put him in the back seat. Did he pedal? He pedaled. He, he wanted, what was his, one of his wishes, I think you said, was that he could someday ride a bicycle. And Tom made it happen with a tandem bicycle, put him on the back, and rode him. To me, that would be horrifying to be going through, not knowing where you're going. But nevertheless, he got a thrill out of it. So, but don't put a stumbling block before the blind. They can't see a stumbling block or something to trip them. That's just wicked. Don't do it. If you love your, what am I doing? We're defining love on your neighbor. And he says, you shall do no <clears throat> unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect, now this is interesting, thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness thou shalt judge thy neighbor. So what he's saying is, don't favor the poor because he's poor, and don't favor the rich because he's rich. But the poor don't get favored either. You got to judge righteously, as if you're blindfolded, and just judge righteous judgments. There it is. That's what loving your neighbor's about. Thou should not go up and down as a talebearer. That's social media for the most part. Among the people, thou shalt not stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy neighbor in thine heart. Thou shalt not in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. Or suffer sin upon him. What amounts to is, I looked that up, take a grudge against your neighbor. Don't do it. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. You see where Jesus got it, don't you? Right there. He got it right there. So this is an illustration of, of uh, loving your neighbor. What's a good illustration of loving your neighbor? Chris and I saw a great illustration a great illustration of lo what loving your neighbor is about. Simple, straight up and down, and a member of Gospel Baptist Church. And is he here tonight? Is he here tonight? Let's see. Yeah. Jarvis here tonight? Jarvis, you here, buddy? Oh, this is Jarvis. Oh, that's good. This is about Jarvis. I did not ask permission because I really don't care what he said. I'm going to do it. I guess that's not loving your neighbor, though, is it? Uh, i have to get right about that later. But anyways, uh, so I wanted to show Chris where Jarvis lived. It's a big deal. I want to show Chris where Jarvis I don't know why. I don't know why. I can't even remember the circumstances. We were going to go by. I think we were going to, we were going to see Miss Miley. And Jarvis lives by Miss Miley. And so we, I said, well, let's take a run by, and we'll see Jarvis's place. So we went over to buy Jarvis's place. And Chris He's got the gift of observation. Not everybody has it, but he has the gift of observation. And that is an asset and a liability. If you have a pimple on your face, he will notice it. 
If you have a booger in your nose, he's going to notice it. I mean, if you come with bloodshot eyes, he's going to think you were at a binge one on a bench or something because he's going to notice it. If your hair is not right, he'll notice it. Uh, so I drive him over there, and, I, and, and he looks. Jarvis had just put in a new fence alongside of his, separating him and his neighbor's property. It was a wood fence, one of those, I think about six foot high wood fences, something like that. Personally, ugly fence. Typically a fairly ugly fence. But he put the good side of the fence towards a neighbor. Chris says, wow. Jarvis put the good side of the fence toward the neighbor because there's a good side and a bad side to that fence. There's an ugly side and a not-so-ugly side. And he said, he put the good side of the fence toward the neighbor. I said to myself, I said, that's the kind of guy Jarvis is. Amen? Anybody married to Peggy, as long as he have, ought to be, he's a good guy. But that man ought to get another trophy. First, second, vote. Uh, you're a man of the universe. But anyway, no, no we love you, Peggy. We love you. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and of course, I'm a preacher, man. I'm a, I'm a cook. I'm looking for stuff. I go, bing, 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 bing. That's a great illustration of loving your neighbor. Yeah. He, Jarvis loves his neighbor. Now, when I ask him about it, I don't know if he came up with the same noble reason, but, but whether he had whatever your reasoning was, the ugly part of that fence is toward you, and the not-so-ugly part of that fence is toward your neighbor. That's nice. Amen? That's, the kind. That's what it means to love your neighbor. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Decorate your place to where they like what they see. Don't. The part that faces the neighbor puts them on nasty. Don't put all your trash, all your junk cars, all your junk trailers over on the neighbor's side where they can see all that, and you know it's going to irritate them, and you know it's going to hurt their feelings because they got to look out their major window and they see all that junk, char, junk, and 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 that's just wrong. And that's what God's getting. And He said, "Hey, look, folks, if you're you're a child of the King, you can do better than that. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind. And by the way." Love your neighbors yourself. You wouldn't do that to yourself. Don't do it to the neighbor. Amen. Well, it's gotten awful quiet. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We're supposed to be going around doing good to all everybody. Do good to everybody but especially to the household of faith. That's loving your neighbor, which is the second greatest commandment. You don't have to remember all them 613. Well, there were 613 moral laws, but there were a, a number of moral laws in the Old Testament. You don't have to remember all them. You don't have to remember the 127 different commandments that Jesus put in the New Testament for us to do. If you remember to love, your, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. And then ask God, to help define what that love is. Ask God to give you the power to love. Because I'll be honest with you, this don't come natural. No, hate comes natural. War comes natural. Bickering comes natural. 
meanness comes natural. It's easy for me to be mean. How many say amen to that? It's easy for me to be grumpy. Everybody say amen to that? How many jobs, let me start with this. How many marriages would be saved if we just loved our spouses the way we're supposed to love our neighbors? You know, I've met couples that love their wife less than they love their neighbor. Or the wife loves the husband less than she loves the neighbor. That's sad, isn't it? Man, my first neighbor was my woman. She's my first neighbor. I decided to make her my close neighbor. And, and if I'm supposed to love her like I love myself, she's going to be a happy woman. And she is a happy woman. Oh, boy, I'm glad she said that. Give me out of hot water, baby. I'll pay you back. <laughs> but I mean... I'm trying to think of ways to make my woman happy. It's a challenge. I try to think of ways to make her happy. She has a golf cart that she works out of. Since she retired. When you retire, you cannot become an idol. Idleness is a sin. So I told Kathy when she retired from the bank, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. You've got to be, like, really busy. You can't be, like, a little busy. You've got to be busy. And because she was really busy her those 44 years, you know. And so I said, you got to be busy. So I said, uh, what do you want to do? She said, I want to work on the lawn. I want to do things around the house, uh, around, you know, outside and stuff. She likes to work outside. And it's good for a lot of reasons. Number one, you see sunshine is good for you. Exercise is good for you. Being out with, with, with God's creatures is good for you. Mosquitoes are wonderful. Um, so I said, well, I've got a golf cart you can use. And, uh, you know, just use it. I taught her how to use it and drive it around. And gave her, I bought her shovels and rakes. That's how a kind of guy I am. That's the kind of nice guy I am. And uh, I noticed that she was having trouble storing all that stuff. She had to always go back to the barn to get something. And she'd be once time having to go back to the barn to get it. And I saw, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, they make baskets for those golf carts, metal baskets. They go up in the front of them. So I got on the internet, searched around, found out that that's a club car. And I said, that club car, they make a basket for that club car. So I went and ordered that basket. I said, I got something special coming in for you. And I, she said, what? And I said, I got a basket that you can put your little trimmers in, your gloves, your glasses, all these paraphernalia you use, your hat. And so I bought that. I put that under. I went under. I said, you know, they make another basket for that thing. She said, get it. I said, great. So I got an outside basket, an inside basket for all of her little gadgets, her tele, her phone, her, the gun she carries with her during the day so nobody molests her while she's by herself. And, and so all of that other stuff. Why did I do that? I love her. I wasn't going, oh, that's going to cost a lot of money. Oh, you know, we really, we really don't have the money to spend on you. Or I'm going to spend my last dime on that woman, if that's what it comes down to. And so some people wouldn't consider that a luxurious gift, but that is loving my wife. Now, if I love my wife like I love myself, you're not going to have to worry about abusing your wife. And your wife's not going to be coming in talking to me in a private meeting saying how bad you are. 
She's not going to do it. She won't have to. How many jobs would you have kept and done well in if you just loved your employer as you loved yourself? If you love your employer, you're not going to steal time from him. You're not going to steal material from him. You're going to give him a, whatever agreement you two, two shook hands on, I'm going to do this for this much an hour, you're going to do it with all your heart. Because who are you working for? This is Bible, folks. Whatsoever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto men. When I work for, when I work for whoever I work for, when I'm, working, I'm working for you people. Who am I working for? Jesus. Who's Steve work for? Jesus. Who, who did Bill Henthorne work for? Jesus. Who did Tom Crichton work for? Jesus. Who's, who does uh, the NASA guy work? He didn't work for NASA. He worked for Jesus. Born again Christians work for Jesus, whatever we do. So I may have, and he says, by the way, he may, you may have a bad boss. He's intolerable, bad. Now, you do have the option sometimes to quit and go to another job. That's perfectly fine. But while you're there, you're supposed to love him as yourself. How many friendships would have been kept if we had just followed this simple rule of loving our neighbors ourselves? How many school teachers would have been encouraged had the student's parents love the, stu- love the school teacher as they would love themselves? Our school teachers have been abused and misused. I've seen it with my own eyes. They have been horribly abused and misused from time to time. Falsely accused, raked over the coals. Uh, I had somebody tell me that Miss Smiley hated their child. I looked at that, I looked at that person and I, I, I couldn't help myself. I said, oh yeah, that's why she got into teaching kids for 30 years because she hated children. And the whole idea is that she wants to be a school teacher so she can make children miserable. And they got mad and got left. Most ludicrous, ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life was Miss Smiley hated children. She loved children. If anybody loved children, Miss Smiley loved children. Gave her life for children. Has more kids than you women that bore. Uh, how about your kin? It's getting tougher, isn't it? Love your neighbors yourselves. Talk about loving your kinfolk. You know, some of the hardest grudges and hatreds are among family. Brothers against brothers, sisters against brothers, brothers against. Oh my goodness, I have heard some hateful things. Hateful, hateful, hateful. That sounds like Gomer Pyle, doesn't it? Hateful, hateful, hateful. That's just terrible for Christian. How many, we're supposed to love strangers. These Mexicans, Guatemalans, 21 different Spanish-speaking countries that have come up here. I know it's illegal for them to be here. They shouldn't be here. They should have come legally and all that, and I'm all for that. But while you have them here and while you have contact with them, you cannot abuse them. Cannot abuse them. Because God Almighty will call you short if you don't love them as yourself. Oh, here's my last point on that. How many churches would not have split, would not have given a neighborhood a horrible testimony of who Jesus was had they just loved each other? 
Had they just asked God to help them to love each other. You know what I mean? Tom and I went on a couple of three, four, five motorcycle trips. And, and you know, Tom got where he couldn't stand me after a while. I mean, I drove Tom almost beside himself. Some days he wouldn't talk to me for three days. You know what it's like, right? You know, hey, man, brother, Peaches, you know what I'm talking about. He'd go three days, wouldn't talk to me. Thought he was punishing me. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't hold that against Tom. And I acted stupid and did stupid stuff and said stupid stuff and got angry about stuff I shouldn't have. He didn't hold that against me. And we're best of friends. He told me the other day, if I you buy a motorcycle, preacher, I'm buying a motorcycle, we'll go on another trip. That'll be in heaven, brother, new heaven, new earth. But I said to myself, that just told me that he had no grudges against me, no hardship. Why? Love me. Love you. I love you. You love me. I love Tom. Tom and I have been friends for a long time. We've rubbed each other wrong. I rubbed Tom wrong like crazy in a lot of different subjects. One of them is I don't own a dog, but nevertheless... He really, he's, he rejoices that I own a dog because he'd want to do my veterinarian work for free because I'm his preacher. And I, I never, I don't ask for freebies. I mean, I even know you have come out and done a few. But anyway, love your neighbors yourself, folks. It's not that hard. You got to think about it. You got to ask God about it. And all the law and the prophets hang on this. It's doable. You can drive a stake down. You got to stop by the grace of God being hateful, mean, hard. You get along with, nasty, betraying, cheating, lying, harmful to others, and ask God to help you to love them. It is an absolute mandate from Jesus Christ, Jehovah God. Love each other as you love yourself. Well, will that solve a lot of marriage trouble? Will that solve a lot of employer-employee trouble? Will that solve a lot of school trouble? Will that solve a lot of friendship trouble? Will that solve a lot of, oh, that solve a lot of trouble. We can do it. God wants you to do it. You can do it by the grace of God. Father, thank you for a few minutes together. Thank you for the Bible, so clear, so practical, so real. Help us. We pray, Father, there, there's, there's no doubt in a group this size, there's people struggling in this area and have struggled. I've struggled in it. I've failed in this area. And I ask you to forgive me and help, help me to do better. And, Father, I ask you for power. You give me power to overcome the old flesh who wants to fight, who wants to argue, who wants to brawl, who wants to be just mean, junkyard dog mean. Father, help us to have the love of God. This is what it amounts to. It's practical. Love of God. Father, we pray that you just, if there be anybody in here that knows not what it means to be a Christian, to know Christ our personal Savior, may today... They come after the service to let us talk to them about Jesus, how to be saved. Oh, God, you're still saving people. Yes, sir. I hear I heard about a couple of people got saved today in some other churches. Well, I'm, I rejoice in that. Father, may it be so here to gospel some folks who get saved. Thank you for the baptism tonight in our Spanish church. Thank you for the four, five, six, eight, ten more that are coming. People willing to get baptized. Make public profession of faith. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 
1285. Thank you and God bless.